This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23, follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? These are some of my favorite episodes yes, right yes. here because I'm not alone. I was like, just are you singing? Are you rapping? <laughs> you know how it is. Is this a mixtape? I'm like, excited. What's happening right now? I'm excited. I don't just have to look across at your face. Okay. We got some other faces in the room. We are live in Houston at our pop-up at City of Refuge. City of Refuge, make some noise. Yeah. These... These episodes are my favorite because there's <laughs> there is so much energy, so much and I'm energy. really excited to be here with you guys and and interact and talk with you and hear your hearts. And we've been going through this series, right? It's it's called Can I Get a Witness? It's basically trying to peel back the layers of what it means to be a witness. We talk about we are the witness, a black Christian collective, but what does that actually mean in practice? And what yeah. does it mean to be a witness practically? So we've talked about a lot of things so far. Yes. And I'm not going to yes. really get into too right. much of it right. because some of the people you here haven't heard have it listen. yet. So you'll have to listen. But we wanted to talk about something that I think is very important. And this is the witness of endurance. How do we continue moving forward in this movement, in this moment? And what are some of the threats that would derail the movement? Yeah, and I think it's fair to say we're part of a movement, right? I think so. I think so. So in 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 one sense, right, like uh, historians talk about the black freedom struggle, and they do that as like this umbrella term to encompass different phases, right? Like we all think about the civil rights movement, but there's a labor rights movement, there's a Black Lives Matter movement, there's an abolition movement, right? So so in the long arc of, of just this nation's history, there's always a movement happening. Mm. And I've said this before in presentations at colleges and universities and whatnot, like this is a moment where you have to decide which side of the racial justice line you want to stand on because things are happening. Things are in motion. And you're going to look back one day, just like we do now, and say, oh, if I was in the civil rights movement, I would have marched McCain. You know, I, I would have had to sign, right? <laughs> or my favorite, which is this is not our grandmother's civil rights oh, movement. My, like my, people my. are going to start fighting. You Come know, I'm like, now. that's not going to happen. Mm, you know, nah, yeah. you don't have hands anyway. So, <laughs> But so, we yeah. are part of a, a movement. Absolutely. And so as we think about threats to the movement, we're thinking about things that we can prepare for, we can think through because we're not just part of a movement naturally, but we're also part of a spiritual movement as well, the kingdom mm. of God and what God is doing right now in this time in history. So we wanted to go back and forth and do a list episode Four threats on each side to the movement. Four threats that could prevent the progress toward racial justice. Yeah. I Hopefully you guys can identify with these. Hopefully they can resonate with you. But also hopefully we can prepare for these as right, well right. and prepare ourselves against these threats. So Give us number one. Endurance. Exactly. Yes. Give us yes. number one. Um, this is going to be out of left field for okay. me. Sure. Right? So, sure. Um, I think a threat to the movement is a lack of historical perspective. Wow, yeah. shocking. I know you weren't <laughs> expecting that from me. 
Um, but you know, sometimes what are you studying I like again? What's that? Up, switch it up. You studying biology? Is that right? <laughs> um, yeah, a lack of historical perspective in so many ways, particularly about U.S. racial history. Um, we don't know much. Yeah, we really don't know much. So, so historians talk about the um, the the simple narrative of of the civil rights movement. And it's like one day Rosa Parks sat on a bus. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. King gave an, I have a dream speech. And then next racism was over. Yes. That's exactly like, how it happened. Right. <laughs> that's, I mean, functionally, that's how we, because look, look at how we celebrate things like MLK day, right? Sure. We busted out all these quotes, these clips from videos and whatnot. Never actually, few of us actually deeply engaging with the substance of what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Even the I have a dream speech, when you go to the top of that joint, right. he's talking, talking about radicality. Like yeah. yeah, he's talking. Yeah. And then obviously he's just a prominent figure. But looking back and, and trying to understand like things like Trumpism. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not the first time we've seen this. Sure. In the sure. 1920s, there was this this massive xenophobia on the part of politicians and, and the uh, strand of the populist movement where we wanted to exclude and seclude, right? And it led to all kinds of issues. Um, the idea, uh, Japanese internment, right? Right, like, right. Like all of these things. We've seen these things before. We've seen them before, not in the exact thing, right? Because history doesn't repeat itself but it echoes it rhymes um oh, that's a bar right there okay <laughs> i did not come up with that people, Ooh, people have okay. said that long before that's a bar though it was um, smooth though how you put it in you just need to, okay all right. so but but also in terms of tactics and learning and lessons about endurance a lot of people ask me you know how do you go around and speak about all this stuff and not get discouraged etc cetera, etc cetera? I look at folks like like Fannie Lou Hamer, right, mm-hmm. hmm. who was able to endure the intersection of poverty, racism, sexism, and still have a song in her heart. Mm. And hmm. if she's able to do that, I'm like, how did how did you, you know? That's so good. Um, so I think the witness of history is powerful, and 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 then the flip side is a lack of historical knowledge. Sure. Right. Yeah. So so part of it is if you look at something like the 1619 project, the reason it's caused such a furor among some people is because they have a very narrow view of this nation's history. They have a very triumphalist view of this nation's mm-hmm. history. So it's not even just the absence or lack of historical knowledge, it's the presence of bad knowledge. Or incomplete wow. knowledge. Yeah, that's good. That's so, good. So, so we got to know these things. We got to study these things. And I say this even to people of color, right? Because we're out here, oh, I'm living this, right? Mm-hmm. I know what mm-hmm. race and racism is like. No, you don't. You know your experience. Sure, sure. Your contemporary yeah. experience. Yeah. You don't know the historical or the communal experience like you would if you actually studied this. And study can look a lot of ways. It's not just reading books. We have a lot of multimedia. Mm-hmm. So you can access podcasts. You can access videos. But also... You're big on this, talking to the elders, yep, yep. right? Like we're exactly. part of a legacy. And I just had a conversation with two of my mom's friends. They're both in their 70s. I tweeted about this, so you can follow the thread in more detail. But it was fascinating to me because I just, whenever I get around people in their 70s and up, I want to know the history, right? It's oral history. So I just asked this open-ended question. What was it like for you growing up? And immediately they went to, well, I'm from the Deep South. One was from Alabama, one was from Arkansas. And then I asked, well, what, what did your parents do? What, you, what was it what was it like in your house? They're farmers. That's what they said initially. 
and then sharecroppers. Yeah, yeah, they're sharecroppers. Come to find out, they have both picked cotton as sharecroppers. Um, one of them talked about her struggle to get an education because they their education followed the growing season, right? So they had to start school late after all the crops were picked. Wow. They had to end school early, right? What's so phenomenal is not only did she go on to get her education, she became an educator hmm. for hmm. 30 plus years, wow. right? And so that's the history yeah. that we need that's to motivation. access that's inspiring. in order to continue the movement. That's really good. Okay, so my number one, I would say, has to be unhealthy habits. Mm. Unhealthy habits. We are what we repeatedly do, right? And I feel as though if if we're going to push forward a movement, if we're going to participate in this movement, we have to have healthy habits. And that starts from the inside out. I'm a big person on the inside out. I'm a pastor. And so I'm always trying to center ourselves. What are we, what are our, our spiritual habits and what's our spiritual condition as we go out and we try to advocate or as we go out and try to do things? And so this relates to our total body, though. It relates to how we carry ourselves, the sleep that we're getting. You know, that's one of the things I'm trying to work on this year. I'm trying to get sleep at night. I'm trying to run in the morning. Uh It's not happening, but I'm still working (laughs) toward it. You know, and so I think it's really important for us to build healthy habits, but also healthy habits of discipline as well as it relates to study, as it relates to finding out more things about the movement. So that would be not my number one, not as in-depth as yours, but I think pretty (laughs) self-evident. If we don't have some healthy habits, then what we're going to end up doing is we're going to end end up uh, taxing ourselves and then we're going to flame out before well, we're able to accomplish I mean, our you're goals. reminding us this is a body mind spirit thing yeah. right like like uh you can't engage in this work without having healthy habits physically and 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 literally sometimes it's physically taxing whether you're doing a march or a sit-in or you're in the sun or standing and, and, and listening to a talk um but also the the mental health aspect which we talked about in in depth and of course Spiritual health. Yes, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's it's, it's important. That's vital. That's the only way we're, we're able to have endurance and consistency. Okay, your number two. My number two is distraction from racists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, the distraction that Talk emanates about this. from racists. Talk about this. Talk so, about it. Very concrete and specific. Right now, online, uh, particularly on Twitter, this has been happening for weeks, if not months now. Where, I mean, they're, they're racists and apologists for racism, right? And they're trying to bend over backwards to show that, A, slavery wasn't really as bad. Mm-hmm. The Bible nowhere condemns it like we're <laughs> right, looking course, for, right? Which is straight out of the Confederacy's handbook. Um, they're also saying things like, uh, James Cone may not be in heaven, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, right. And and that was like just one statement, but it's indicative of a broader mindset mm-hmm. that any theology that's really not coming out of Europe or the white American context is somehow mm. subpar, lesser, not to be trusted. Um, and then there are folks who go back and forth on things like Confederate monuments, right. you name it, right? Such a waste of time. S- such a waste of time. It's, import- so it's an important conversation, but on Twitter, it's probably a waste of time. Massively. I mean, you. I think... If you want to make a statement, fine, but going back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. And there's an invented, there's an invented problem or a threat to the church, which they're calling critical theory or critical race theory, right? Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. this thing bubble up online and I'm like, this is not coming from anyone. 
These are people who have a problem with the way we're talking about justice as Christians and saying, oh, well, that's that. Mm. And that's a threat. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem I see is, um, especially white allies and advocates, although it's, it's nuanced, right? Mm -hmm. Like white people need to be talking to white people about racism. Amen. Absolutely. Also, we need to know when somebody's a troll. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they're distracting us from the work. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and then just to wrap it up, the witness, what we've really intentionally tried to do, we've had our share of people of detractors, no, right? Oh no. Yeah, just a few here and there. Send us love letters, yeah, hack yeah. our Christmas podcasts, cards, you, you know, know, all the, that. The thing. usual, the works. Um and 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 for several years, you know we would respond, right? Like we would react, whether it was on a podcast or in a blog or online or whatever. And what we've intentionally tried to do at least since 2017 and really most of that year um, since we changed the name is say, we don't want to focus on people who are saying racial justice is not the problem that it really is. Mm -hmm. We want to focus on doing racial justice and serving the black Christian collective because all that energy we're spending over here trying to convince people that racism is actually a thing and that Christians should care about it and do something about it is time and energy that we're not using with people who need our voices or who need their voices amplified, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I'm preaching through the book of Nehemiah right now, and I can't wait to get to Nehemiah chapter 4 where it's this it's this moment where they're trying to pull Nehemiah off the wall to come talk. And he's like, I, I'm doing this really important work. Why would I come down and talk to you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like he literally says that. And it's like really poignant that your time is really a resource. Yeah. And so how we use our time yeah. and the effort that we put into building up things that are actually going to last in the long term. Yep is actually a service more than our words and our conversation and our debates. That's good. Number two for me, I would say, is a lack of collaboration. Hmm. Okay, so isolation. You know, it's one of the things that Hmm. I think is really, I think the strategy is to divide and conquer us. And what I mean by lack of collaboration is getting embroiled inside the movement in conversations or back and forths that really distract us ultimately from working together and building together. Is there a sense of unity, not uniformity, because all of us are going to do different things, right? So we shouldn't look down on the person who's in a different setting or a different context than what we are. It's not prescriptive in that way. Everyone doesn't have to follow our track or our model of doing things. But is there unity enough to encourage one another? Mm -hmm. Is there unity enough for us to collaborate on things that matter? Mm -hmm. And if you think about what really, you know, there's this interesting piece. I think it's in King in the Wilderness, the uh, documentary, Mm -hmm. when Dr. King and Kwame Ture are talking back and forth. And there's a a reporter in between them. And it's a robust conversation. (laughs) But he's basically going back and forth as they're marching in Mississippi. And he's basically, they're arguing with each other, but he's in the middle, right? Now it's a cordial discussion. And it's an important discussion for for them to have. It was important for people to see. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I sit back and I say, you know, who are we, who's watching this discussion and how is it helping to enhance Mm. our overall goals? Mm. And this is really even true within the church as well. We think of different denominations and we've had great conversations even this week as we talk about some of our backstory and where we came from and the ways in which God is using that, even though we came from different places, we came from different denominational backgrounds. 
and working together to accomplish the goals is right. what's most important. Right. What can we do in our context and how can I uplift you in your context and empower you and resource you yeah. so that you're able to take a substantive step in the movement? I think yeah. that's so important for us. And and I think this isolationism, this lone rangerism, mm-hmm. we're working on it too. Yeah, I'll be the first <laughs> we're to working say on it. Yeah. That as the witness, I mean, at least as far as my influence in the witness, I could be doing a lot more collaboration yeah. with other similar organizations. Um one of the things that movements often have is conveners. Hmm. People within the movement who can bring folks to the table. And it doesn't necessarily mean that convener is, you know, the leader or the face of it, but it's that person who's a connector, right? Like we all have these friends who introduce us to other people, who introduce us to other yeah. people, right? Yeah. And, and in movements, you need those connectors. And I'm, I, I wonder what that looks like in sort of our corner of Christianity and the racial justice movement. Well, part of it is joy and justice, right? And if you were able to be at joy and justice conference, you saw that there were a lot of atypical voices that we haven't necessarily interacted with that were able to be there and some of our friends as well who aren't necessarily a part of the witness so we kicked around the idea we kicked around the idea of just having witness team members as speakers but I'm actually glad we pulled from outside you know black church tradition Mm -hmm. and other um, groups of people because I think it's really important for us to have a diversity of voices and collaborative uh, mentality so hey everybody obviously we're here live at the PTM pop up we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back here on Pastor your number three my number three is sort of a flip of the lack of historical perspective, right? Because that Boy, one was gonna, about... Leave history alone. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay, all right. So bet, that bet. one's about gathering knowledge, right? Okay. This one, my my, my third threat is analysis paralysis. So Ooh, that's, that a, okay. that's a term and a phrase people Jamar was use. in here rapping before. When y'all were out there, did y'all hear Jamar <laughs> rapping? <laughs> so he's trying to he's trying to make it. Before, uh, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that. There um, was an attempt. There was an attempt. <laughs> Words were spoken. Mm-hmm. It happened. <laughs> it happened. So analysis paralysis is when you have so much information, you can't move. You don't know what to do with it. And I think some of that hmm. is present in the movement, especially among Christians, right? So something catalyzes oh, yeah. you, something gets you what interested What do I do? Oh, that, yes, that's the question, right? And you, you read all these books, you oh, go to the man. conferences, you listen to the podcast, whatever it might be, you're getting information, 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 and then you're like, the problem is so big, I don't know where to start, right? Like that, I think, is a, it, people are motivated, they want to do something, but it's such a it's everywhere it's in education it's in healthcare it's in the church what do i do i'm just yeah. one person right that's good that's and good and so i think a threat to the movement is never getting moving right mm. where 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 you're sort of stuck in the information gathering phase perpetually and then you think you 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 think action looks like a tweet or sharing Oof. a resource wow okay and that's good. That's helpful. Yeah. That's just not it. Right? But you also think that information changes people. Right. Like that's bad theology. <laughs> <laughs> like if you know more, you're going to do better automatically. Right. Not automatically. Nah, knowledge puffs yeah. up. Love edifies, right? Yeah. Like it's this, it's this mentality that what transforms the heart? Is it the best argument? 
or is it a spirit led action? Right. Yeah. Is, is it supernaturally the Holy Spirit coming in and removing that heart of stone? Right. That's like that's theology. Right. And it should right. apply to the way that we carry on a movement as well. Absolutely. Okay, so number three uh, for me is going to be interesting. Uh, male dominance. Wow. Okay. I okay. think male dominance good. is a good. threat talk to the on movement. It. Talk <laughs> on. As as two men sit up here and talk about male yeah. dominance, <laughs> just push the mic away. Oh yeah. man, yeah. You know, I I think um, we talked about this in this season. We got to do a lot better as men of taking a step back. And allowing women to lead us. And I think particularly within the movement, the people who are catching the brunt of racism, and especially now at the intersection of racism and sexism, are black women. Yep. And they're catching the brunt of all of this while we exclude them from positions of power, mm. while we do nothing to divest um, the resources that we have, while we don't democratize our power, mm. while we look at... Um, while we look at the next most qualified man and assume he's next. Yeah. Yeah. That's I huge. think it's a shame for us. I think right. we need to get better at that. And I think you can speak to this historically within the movement, but I'll just say for me personally, my church experience, it's been a lot of lip service and mm -hmm. not a lot of action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of we're egalitarian because that's my church tradition. Mm -hmm. We're egalitarian. Women can do anything a man can do. And in practice, it's just the same as any other church tradition. My, my, my. And so if we're saying it, this is the thing. If we're going to talk it, we got to walk it out. Yeah. If we're yeah. going to talk it, we have to take bold, big steps, necessary steps. And we have to challenge each other as men. And we have to lead the next generation. I think the next generation is watching us and seeing how we act and how we live. And they're going to ask the question, does the, does the kingdom of God have a better pathway towards the flourishing of women than the culture does? Yeah, yeah. Or is the culture leading you and then you're responding to what's happening within mm -hmm, the culture? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I just, I thank God for the team members that we have uh, that are women, Elodie and Elodie and, and Ali. I thank God for Truth Table. I thank God for mm -hmm. Lisa Fields. Zena. Um, Zena. Yeah. Like I thank God for the women we have in our, in our group, but we've looked around and we've said, it's not enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> like enough. we have to, we, we can't be comfortable with mm -hmm. a bare minimum. Right, right. We don't like to be tokenized. Why are we tokenizing them? Yeah. It's a word. It's, a, it's convicting, and but it's true. So you talked at the top of the episode about, um, you know, this phrase people throw around, not your grandmother's civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the kernel of truth in that is that the present movement for black lives is looking at the civil rights era and seeing some deficiencies. One of the glaring deficiencies was the the lack of upfront women leadership when the foot soldiers of the movement were so often women, right? Like, so Absolutely. when the Montgomery bus boycott start, it's women who literally mimeographed the flyers that say, hey, we're going to boycott the buses. And they're up all night doing that mm -hmm. and handing them out in the morning in time for people not to take the bus, right? Wow. wow. Uh, if you look at somebody like Ella Baker, she was the engine of King's SCLC, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, they wouldn't let her have the, the top organizational position for a myriad reasons, not least of which was that she was a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And and she was a genius as far as organizing and a repository of so much wisdom about effective protest and grassroots movements, and yet she never 
in her lifetime had the recognition that she deserved and being a female in the movement was a big part of that. So yeah, I think you're absolutely yeah. right on. That's why you need to write that uh, Fannie Lou Hamer biography. The definitive Fannie Lou Hamer biography, right? Yeah, yeah. So on to my next <laughs> Y'all tweet at Jamar, at Jamar uh-uh. Tisby. <laughs> <laughs> write that book, bro. Write that book. I just need the grant that'll let me do nothing but write. Uh-huh. <laughs> let, let, let that money flow. Um <laughs> All right, so speaking of which, number one, four. Fourth one. I have a guess on which your number four is. Yes. Threat to the movement. It's resources, isn't it? Money. Uh, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Let's be specific. Resources could be like, you know, I don't know, a muffin at the <laughs> beginning of the day, right? Uh, but Whoa. I'm talking about money. Money, 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 right? money. So number one, this goes back to sort of the historical knowledge piece. Like if you look at movements they have been strengthened or derailed according to the finances not that they've stopped completely right Mm -hmm. because people who are committed are committed but it makes it exponentially easier or more difficult depending on the money the other threat is that people don't get involved because of the threat to their money so if you look at a lot Uh, of colleges and universities christian ones if you look at a lot of christian nonprofits, right um when christianity today released that article trump should be removed from office what was the weapon right the weapon that was used is i'm no longer subscribed i'm no longer a subscriber we're not going to donate anymore right Mm -hmm. um when Russell Moore, uh, head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, was speaking out about Trump before he got elected. Going to cut off your funding. They they came at this man and said, we are going to stop donating to the cooperative fund. The fund, the whole pool of the Southern Baptist Convention, that's a pool that everybody uh, voluntarily contributes to. But it goes towards things like like missions and church planning and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they say... If you don't stop talking about politics in this way, we're cutting off your money. Mm. Similarly, I've gone to places to speak, and it's just, it's just like we're talking now, you know, being honest about about race and racism. And then an alumni or a trustee gets word of it. First thing they do is say, I'm cutting off my donations, right? Wow. Church is the same way. Why won't pastors preach more forcefully about racial justice? Because there's that member or there's a couple of members who write big checks, and when that's they they threaten to take that away. So yeah. money as a threat to the movement in terms of um, the withdrawal of money, but also money as a threat to the movement in terms of lack of funds, right? So so one of our perennial struggles with the witness is we don't have we ain't got no money. <laughs> we're right? talking about it today, Cause, yeah, because because we're not going to take it from just anyone. Because it comes with strings attached, and we want to be able to say what much we, we want to say, say. Right? Yeah. right? Much pay, what much say? Um, but we're not the only ones, right? Sure. So, yeah. so when we talk about the racial wealth gap, yeah, that affects housing, that affects education, that also affects Christian ministry. If only there were like, oh man, I didn't even try to set that up. If only there were like a foundation <laughs> of some kind that could. Yes. Fund the movement. Yes, yes. So we did I don't know. announce. What, do you know anything about we that? We announced the founding of the Witness Foundation at the Joy and Justice Conference mm-hmm. in October of 2019. And what we're doing is raising a million dollars, which will start an endowment. And we are going to use the interest off of that endowment to fund black Christian ministries financially, tangibly, yeah. materially, so that we can 
make sure that the movement is resourced, right? But that's just one way. But one yeah. huge threat it's is massive. money. Where can they give? They're going to be wanting to know this. Very good. Very good. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> hey, I'm here for you, bro. Yeah, man. I'm here just, for you. <laughs> Allie. Um, thewitnessfoundation.co. Go to our website, thewitnessfoundation.co. You can give a one-time gift or you can set up a monthly recurring gift. Awesome. So my last one before we close, a threat to the movement is fear. Threat to the movement is fear. I think there is still this mentality. There's still this little feeling in the back of our heads. What if it doesn't work? What if we fail? What if they catch us? What if they fire me? What if they cut my salary? What if they attack my family? What if what I'm saying is falling on deaf ears? What if this is all just a waste of time? Yeah. And I think the number one threat to any big endeavor is the fear that comes from concern of what people are thinking, what they will do, um, how they will act, how they will respond when you go to a college, or what they will say behind your back, and what repercussions happen after you speak. Yeah, And it's a real thing. I've been in these environments. We're always in these environments. Uh, people don't know that. We don't just speak on past the mic or the witness uh, we go into quote unquote hostile territory where people are against it, um, and live we reason. In hostile territory. Yeah, we live. Yeah. In, <laughs> we live in this house. So you know what I'm saying. Uh, we preach, and in predominantly white sectors and settings where people have not talked about these things, and there is that mentality of what if they don't invite me back, or what if the platform is no longer given to me. Um, I think it's so comforting and encouraging to know that God is not going to call us to something that he hasn't given us the courage to do. Hmm. And God is not going to call us to something that he has not provided a pathway for us to accomplish it. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that we accomplish everything that we think we should in our lifetime because the movement is generational. We have to have a generational vision for the movement. That means my children and my children's children should be carrying things and doing things far beyond my wildest dreams. But I think we have to get over ourselves And I think we have to get over the fear of what other people will say and do to us. Mm, mm. If we truly believe in the message of the gospel, that they can kill our body, but they can't take our soul. Yeah. Yeah. That they can hurt us, but really ultimately they can't, they can't Can't affect us us eternally. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really important for us to have that confidence and have that courage. And I think what develops that. Yeah, yeah, but but I think even even deeper than that, what develops that is a consistent relationship with Jesus. Yes, absolutely. I'm telling you, and it's, it's I know it sounds like well, of course, you know, God, you know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus the right is answer. the answer. Jesus yes. is the answer. <laughs> I can't tell you how much spiritual disciplines have changed my life. Mm. I can't tell you how much getting every morning in silence and solitude. When the kids, when I want to sleep in <laughs> and them kids is, is, is crying and, and whining and you want to feed them, you want to play with them and just taking a moment and breathing and saying, God, this is your day. I'll do it, whatever you ask me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'm your vessel. So use me accordingly. Yeah. And that little 15 minutes, that little 20 minutes. I mean, even reading through the scriptures, yeah. I think it gives us so much power. It gives us so much encouragement and it helps root us in a broader story. We are yes. not the first ones to push for justice. We're not the first ones to live in honor of our king. And so now we use the spirit's power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. 
he animates us, he motivates us, he inspires us. So I think that's what's so important for us is to get over ourselves and to get over this idea of what people can do to us. Yeah, I think it was the uh, lyrical prophet Kendrick Lamar that said, we going to be all right. <laughs> I just talked about Jesus and you're like, ah, oh, you know, Kendrick. <laughs> Common grace, baby. Oh, uh, come on, come on. Come on, man. Come on, put it there. I like that comeback. That's good. Well, thank you all so much for listening in to The Witness of Endurance. What are your threats? We want you to reach out to us at underscore Pastor Mike, at The Witness BCC, at Burns23, and at Jamar Tisby. And we will see you again next time on a live version of Pastor Mike. Houston, make some noise one more time. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com CT.